Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass. And a big warm welcome to Commonwealth Conversations Everyday Minutemen Stories brought to you by the Massachusetts Collective. I'm your host, Nathan Strauss, and today's guest is former UMass men's basketball player, manager, all-around superstar, Tim Collins, and Western Mass Zone Tim Collins, we should mention. Thanks so much for, for hopping on. How's it going? Thanks, Nathan. Really good to be here with you and uh, and hang out with some of the old UMass folks that I haven't seen in a while. This is great. So you grew up in uh, you grew up in Lee, uh, which is known for being, I think, the last exit on the Mass Pike before you uh, crossed into New York. But what is the Western Massachusetts, or what was the Western Massachusetts high school basketball scene like for you then? You know, it's it's it was small. I you know I you know we we played some of the bigger schools in Pittsfield. Um, you know, some of the bigger regional schools. But honestly, Nathan, I grew. When I was growing up, I think my high school class was 70 kids um, and the whole high school, the four grades were 300 people. So it was super, super small. We were division three at the time. I think now they've split it up more. I think they're probably division five or six at this point. But, you know, it was competitive because you played against the city schools in Pittsfield and North County. And we even occasionally play schools in the, in the Pioneer Valley and Springfield area uh, in the preseason. So. Um, it was competitive and tough, um, you know, but it's it's crazy. I go back and watch some of these high school games now, and, you know, we were winning games like 35 to 32, and now they're winning games 80 to 75. You know, it's just a, it's a different game, but it was a great experience growing up. And, you know, I, I certainly was influenced at a young age when I was going into high school was when UMass was coming off, you know, that incredible mid-90s run. So um, I've been a, a UMass fan as long as I can remember. Was UMass always going to be the move for you coming out of high school or were you looking to either play somewhere else or were you getting recruited at all? How did you wind up at UMass for, you know, scholastic purposes? Sure. No, I, I actually it's, you know, UMass was by far the biggest school I applied to. You know, I loved the Amherst area. But I had um, actually, my track was probably more that I wanted to go to one of the NESCAC schools. My brother went to Hamilton College. Um, so I applied to Hamilton, uh, Bates College, Amherst and Williams. Uh, the, the plan all along was to try to go D3, um, go to a good academic school and hopefully try to play hoops. So I talked to a lot of those coaches. Um, but last minute, I just decided, you know, and, and I didn't give it up long, but I decided to give up basketball uh, as a player and um, 
because I really just liked the feel of UMass. I liked the almost like a big city feel for me as a kid from kind of rural Western Mass. Um, and I'm glad it turned out the way it did. And, you know, as the history went on, I realized two years later, I really, really missed playing the game of basketball. So that's when I joined UMass as a manager and then eventually became a walk-on. What was the process like for joining as a manager? Did you just sort of show up one day to, you know, the, the open manager like meeting and then, and then go from there? Yeah, it really was that. Yeah, they had a little a little email blast at the time that they were looking for some managers. Um, I knew a guy on staff at the time. He was from the Berkshires, and I joined. Um, you know, got to know who are now some of my best friends. You know, in life, um, and I I did that for a year. That was my sophomore year, and then um, you know just really learned to to love it and the manager side. And it's funny. I even talk to guys nowadays. You know, former players obviously have a natural network. But sometimes these managers actually have better networks because they are so intimately involved, even more so nowadays with, you know, even helping out with, you know, coaching and practice plans and, you know, the, the way their network is and what they learn as a manager is so comprehensive now that, um, you know, these guys move on and that's how they become coaches and GMs and, and things that they do nowadays. So it was it was great to do that for a year. I think we see managers, you know, if you go to a UMass game now at the Mullen Center, you'll see managers, you know, holding up the whiteboard and, you know, getting the chairs, the stools ready, the equipment ready, coming out for shoot around. But as far as what you learn as a manager, what are those like sort of tangible things that you you learn that we wouldn't be able to know unless we experienced it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, a big thing is just putting your ego aside. You know, a lot of the managers and the guys that do it, probably at least more than half of them were probably really good players themselves. And they just, you know, decide not to play much like myself later in their career. And, um, you know, it's putting egos aside, being part of something bigger than you, which was, a, you know, a, a big part of my mantra in life. And, you know, just, um, you know, being part of a team and, and, you know, realizing that if you stick with it or, you know, do it for one or two or three years, that you you can stick with it. You can become, depending on the coaching staff and the turnover, you could become pretty intimately involved with running, you know, that college organization and learn a lot. We've talked to people on this podcast before who have who started off as managers and who are now division one, division two coaches. And uh mm -hmm. it, it's it's incredible that sort of network that you get uh with players. Are you actually still in touch with any of the the players from from that team? I am. Yeah. I, um, you know, one of my, one of my best friends, um, from that era is Jeff Vigiano. He was on the team. He was, a, a he was a year behind me. Um, and I also stay pretty close to Steph Lasme. Um, those are the two guys I'm closest to, you know, I'll talk to guys like Lawrence Carrier and guys I've, I've kind of checked in with over the years. Um, and then actually as you know, we kind of bridged the cap between teams when I, my senior year, Steve Lapis was let go and Travis Ford, Ford joined, but I was still close with a lot of those guys that, carried on with that roster, including another guy, Matt Penny, who was a walk-on or was a manager turned walk-on much like myself. So I'm very close to him and some of the guys that were uh, managers at the time, Dan Cutler, Adam Glessner, um, that whole crew, um, you know, pretty tight crew, but um, we kind of bridged the gap between eras there. What was the process like for becoming a member of the team rather than a manager? What was the walk-on process like for you? You know, it's it's you can't really draw it up much easier than it happened for me. I was really lucky and blessed to be in the right place at the right time. You know, we I I, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was such a, a an amazing moment in my life. Um, you know, I had obviously been around the team for about a year. You know, I we played pickup with the guys. You know, we we also we, you know we worked out the guys. So 
you know, I was just good enough to hang with those guys, to be honest. I wasn't that great a player. But um, we were working out the guys in the Curry Hicks cage one day. I remember individual workouts. We were doing some shooting, you know, foot placement type of stuff. And Coach Lapis just honestly walked up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and started talking to me and, and just asked if I was interested, you know, and um, did I want to do it? You know, he said the guys had a lot of respect for me. I, he knew I could play a little bit, you know, like I said, just <laughs> enough to hang. Um, and I, uh, you know, I went the next morning, talked to the assistant coaches. And then, you know, three days later, I was going to individual workouts as out of shape as you can imagine. So that was a pretty brutal first semester trying to get in shape and hang with those guys. Um, but it was just, you know, it's funny. It just, it just turned out perfectly. Like everybody says, right place, right time. And, you know, uh, someone, you know, that uh, it, I, I was blessed that the, the team respected me enough to ask me to do that. I think one thing that we see a lot nowadays, especially with kind of the rise in social media is people will see either a basketball player or maybe it'll be like something different, a golfer, a baseball player, and they'll be sitting on their couch and they'll think, or they'll see a highlight on their phone. and They'll think, Oh, I could do that. Or someone will miss a free throw or a layup. And you think, oh, I could do that. You're a former Western Massachusetts, you know, basketball, men's basketball player of the year. You played AAU for a year. Um, you averaged almost 20 points a game in high school. And you're saying that you were barely able to hang with those guys. Just yeah. if you had to explain, I guess, to a, a, a layman or someone who doesn't totally know or someone who might think that they could, you know, someone who, who's pretty good at pickup ball. Like just how good is the average D1 scholarship basketball player? Sure. Yeah. The way I'd frame it, Nathan, is, you know, anybody can be good in a moment, but being good is actually part of being good is being consistent. So I think the big part is just the physicality first. You know, you have to be in extremely good shape and you need to be able to, you know, go for two, three hour practice and keep going at guys. And then you got to be, you know, you know, pretty physically tough and strong to hang. You know, I, I still have a joke. I talked to Stefan Lasby, you know, every month or so. And he, he always has a joke. He tells me, he said, the, the last time I actually got pushed around was by you, my freshman year. Um, because I actually, you know, I was whatever, six, four, 200 pounds. And at the time he came in as a scrawny little freshman, you know, he maybe weighed 175 pounds, but he quickly obviously uh, caught up, got a lot stronger and became the A-10 player of the year. Um, but that's the big part is that the, the physicality of it and, you know, being able to come out and do that every day for two or three hours and be able to hang with guys. That was the tough part. Um, but then even when the next phase of it is I got in shape, I got stronger, you know, I could hang physically at that point, guys are still so much more skilled and talented than you, you know, you, you realize how deep the pool of talent is in the game of basketball. What was it like when you got to take the court, in a game for the first time. Do you remember, you know, checking in the first time? Oh yeah. Yeah. Was, I think it was, I think the first game I got, you know, I always got in whether we were blowing out a team or getting blown out. That was my time to, to shine. Um, I think I only played in six or seven games in my, my two years, but I remember, I think it was against Yale. We were, we were beating Yale pretty handily uh, early in my junior year. and was able to get in a game and um, I can't remember any specifics. It's such a blur. Cause you're just so used to hanging on the bench. And then your name gets called. You're a little shocked. You go into the game. It's a blur. You know, 20 seconds later, the game's over. The one time I do really remember it is um, my senior year. Um, if you remember, St. Joe's was on a historic run, the St. Joe's Hawks with Delonte West, Jameer Nelson, and that crew. 
Um, we, you know, as shocking, we got blown out twice by that team who was, I think, as high as number one or two in the country that year. Um, I do remember I got in both of those games, I think once down in Hawk Hill for a couple seconds. Um, but they, uh, we actually, we had them down in the first half at home and then they just, you know, they took over and I think they beat us by 20, 22 points in the second half at Mullins. Um, I do remember getting in that game because that's the only game I ever got up a shot in. I think it was my fourth or fifth game. And I think I just was determined. I was like, I got to get a shot up, you know, I, you know, especially against a team like this. And even, uh, you know, Delonte West was on the floor at the time. Um, I remember it as him guarding me. He probably wasn't, but I took a little pull up from the free throw line. So that that's like a very vivid memory to me because I actually got some action in the game. Um, and then um, the last big memory I really have is, and in, in, I'll be forever thankful to Coach Lapis, is he, he let me start on senior night and I played the first three minutes against Duquesne. Uh, first play of the game, I got a steal, so I at least got a stat, so I could actually be, uh, you know, a member of the record books in a, in a small capacity. Um, but it's, you know, those are the two vivid memories. But the first time was just such a blur. I can only imagine. And then after, during, and after your UMass career, uh, you know, you ended up also working with, amongst others, Josh Maurer, Matt Goldstein sure. on the UMass Sports Network, the radio side of things. Um, that's awesome. How did that come about? And do you have a favorite memory of, uh, of being part of that booth? Sure. Sure. Now, now, Nathan, I always joke, I'm like the least talented guy that's been more involved with UMass basketball at every different level, uh, throughout my whole life. First as a fan, <laughs> then a manager, a walk-on, and then I somehow got invited to do the radio. Um, I don't know why they asked me to do it. I was, I was hesitant at the time. It's not something I ever thought about, but the way it actually originated is my junior and senior year, um, Bob Beeler was our play-by-play -play guy. Um, he did the games with um, Rest in Peace, Jack Lehman. Um, they, you know, I just got to know Bob on the road a little bit, like usual. Like, they hang out with us at team dinners. We talked to him during downtime, pregame. And, um, you know, Bob at the time had a radio partner, a guy, Kevin Kennedy, that um, couldn't, I, I think if I remember correctly, he couldn't really do all the road games. He just needed someone to, to do more radio with him as kind of a backup. Um, Bob just asked me to do it um, the year after I graduated. At the time, I was a media relations assistant at Holy Cross. So I was living in Worcester. Um, and, you know, God bless Bob. He talked me into it because I had such a great time doing it. He, you know, we did a demo tape and then he just kind of threw me into the fire. I did my first game. I mean, I remember listening back to that tape. I was not good at all. I prepared way too much and I didn't react enough. Uh, during the game, like a good color guy. Um, so I, you know, I did it a little bit part-time with Bob for a few years. And then obviously Bob left and went to Boise state. Um, still, still doing that job. One of the best around. And then, you know, Josh came in and I did ended up doing games with Josh for um, a while. I was doing them full-time and luckily I had a job that allowed me to do it and travel a little bit on the side. Um, and now Josh is, you know, I consider him one of my best friends and I've, I've spent a ton of time with him and, um, on road trips and it's you know matt at the time was working with us matt goldstein and then obviously when josh left i we, we knew jay actually we had hung out with jay burnham several times because he was you know lived down in richmond we saw him always on the road trips with richmond and vcu and so i'm so happy that jay's there now and i i did a couple games uh the first year jay joined and Unfortunately, uh, it's something I would love to do forever, but uh, when you're married with with four children and you got a full-time job, there's only so much you can fit in your life. And uh, But I, I keep a close eye on those guys from afar. 
Well, we know now, you know, the next time we need an emergency color analyst on on short notice, we know that, you know, you're 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 on the Rolodex somewhere. Uh, that's for sure. Do you have a favorite place that you went either with the team or in the radio capacity? Sure. Yeah, I think um, I'd say there's probably two as a as a player, as a walk on. I, I remember uh, very much enjoying we actually played Gonzaga out at the old key arena where at the time uh, when they existed, the Seattle Supersonics uh, played there. Um, I remember we got to go to Seattle for two or three days, uh, play Gonzaga um, with Adam Morris and Ronnie Turioff, and we actually hung with them and actually played them pretty close. So I remember that trip very fondly because, you know, we got to go, it was just a cool road trip and a name team in Gonzaga. Um, I'd say in league, you know, I have a special place in my heart for Philadelphia. Um, we, you know, remember at the time in the early 2000s, we still had Temple, LaSalle, and um, St. Joe's in the league. So we'd be in Philly three times a year. We'd always stay at the Lowe's Hotel downtown. Um, so in terms of cities, that's probably my favorite. Um, but I'd say in terms of arenas specifically, uh, you can't beat the atmosphere at St. Bonaventure and UD Arena in Dayton. Uh, they're very different from each other. One's very small, one's huge, but the, you know, the fan support they have. And, and you know, I, those, are, those are probably the, my favorite two you know, arenas in the A-10. You mentioned that you, you know, you have a, you know, a family and a full-time job. And I got to ask, are you the tallest person to work in private equity at 6'5"? <laughs> Luckily, <clears throat> well, it's funny you say that because when I interviewed for my job originally, um, speaking of the A10 connection in, in UD and in, in Dayton, um, the guy who now runs my company is actually a Dayton grad. And I'm still convinced that I got this job because uh, he's 6'4", much like myself. He's a huge Dayton basketball fan as an alum. And uh, actually now his son goes to Dayton and his son's 6'4 as well. He doesn't play basketball, but um, I'm convinced I got my job because I could talk A10 hoops in the interview. And I and, and that's uh, and we've gone from there. Which is awesome. Uh, and, you know, you're now in the, the Eastern Mass area uh, full time, uh, which is great. And we ask the, everyone who comes on this podcast two questions uh, to end it. And first, obviously, you know, NIL has changed a lot since uh, since you were a player and a manager. But if you could have had an NIL deal with anyone uh, or now could have an NIL deal with anyone, what company would you want uh, to go into business with? Oh, you couldn't have asked a guy, this a more perfect person, this question, because I've actually joked about this for years with my UMass buddies. I said two definitive answers. I would have gotten a deal with... Um, it doesn't exist anymore, but at the time it was called Barsies or Barcelotis uh, was our favorite go-to uh, watering hole at the time. And then um, the sub in Amherst, uh, which I think is still around, right over near the Spoke, uh, old restaurant, a uh, little grinder shop. Um, I think it might have gone the way of the Dodo, unfortunately. I, oh, it, no. it, it really, it could exist, <laughs> but I feel like, oh, that, that's, that's, I'm Googling it right now just to check. Uh, but there, I, I remember the sub fondly because, and it, and it goes back to that first year that I played for the team. I was so exhausted and tired every night. I used my YCMPA plan to order. I, I remember I'd order two subs. I would eat them and then I would like pass out for the night because I was so tired and hungry from working out all day and being at classes. So I always joked, like if I was as the, 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 uh, 
the walk-on of the team and, and the local Western Mass guy, would you got to strike a deal with it with your go-to restaurant. I believe the sub closed in 2015 based on a, a quick Google search, but two very good answers and certainly in keeping, I think, with the answers that we've gotten from other people. It's all about, you know, what would you have gotten the most utility out of um, in your in your college days? Uh, so we had sure, a lot of sure. a lot of people saying rafters, the hangar, et cetera. Um, and then the last question that we have for everyone is if you were to be a coach and your team was down one in the final, you know, the waning seconds of a game, which player all time for UMass would you draw up a play for? Who would you trust to take that final shot? That's, that's a tough one. You know, I'd have to start with my big list and then whittle it down. I mean, you obviously start at the top in terms of the best players ever. Um, you know, Julius Camby, you know, my favorite player of all time. You know, a lot of people love Marcus Camby. You know, I, I did too, but I, I was a huge, huge Lou Rowe fan. Um, you know, and then you could go down the list, you know, Mike Williams, who was known to be clutch. Uh, you obviously, you know, I played with a guy, Anthony Anderson, who was an incredible scorer for a small guy. He's from, you know, local Massachusetts guy. That's a tough one. Um, I'd say, you know, it's tough to get past Mike Williams. I, I think it's because I, you know, as a you know 12 or 13 year old, I have such a vivid memory of him making so many big shots, you know, knocking off. I think he had two buzzer beaters against Temple in the same year, one year. Um, but the one guy, you know, I, I have to get a shout out to the one guy who I played with. I wouldn't say all time. He might be the guy I give it to. But um, Rayshon Freeman, who I played with, there is not many, at least during the era I played with him. You get that guy, the ball in the post, the, he would score every time, especially if he didn't get double teamed. He was like a machine. You know, he was obviously all A-10 for three years. One of the better big guys, part of a, one of the best front courts the A-10's ever seen between him and Lasme. Um, you know, but I with a shout out to Ray Freeman, just to get a guy from my era in, um, I'd say that I'd go with Mike Williams. That's definitely been the modal answer so far, but Ray Freeman, who we, we've talked to, um, you know, earlier this year as well, uh, is another another great shout. Well, we now know that if we ever are in need of either a really good pickup basketball player, a radio analyst, or if we want to get involved with private equity and real estate, um, we know exactly who to turn to. Uh, thank you so much for, for hopping on. Is there anything else that you want to add before we, uh, say farewell? No, other, no, I, I really appreciate it, Nathan. I, thanks for having me on. I had a great time. Um, you know, I'll, I can do one of those many things if I can have time. Uh, and I would love, actually, I, I got to catch up with Jay. I would love to come back and do a game and fill in at some point if I had some time. Um, I really love doing that, but, uh, no, other than, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. It's obviously been a, a, a crazy few years with UMass hoops and, you know, the COVID year and, and changing the guard of coaches, but I'm really excited for what I've seen from the team early this year. You know, I think, you know, coach, uh, coach Martin is not a guy who's going to turn around a program immediately, but you can see the groundwork that he's putting down. I mean, just watching them against Dayton a couple Sundays ago, you know, they might not be the most consistent team right now, but you can tell they have an identity. You know, he's brought in kids that are tough, you know, physically, you know, I think he's going to bring along the young guys on the roster. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I think share the belief of many that for the first time in a bit that you know, I'm pretty excited about where the, the program's going. So I'm excited to get out to Amherst and see him soon. Without a doubt. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for, uh, for hopping on and sharing your UMass basketball journey. And thank you all for listening to Commonwealth Conversations, Everyday Minutemen Stories. 
brought to you by the Mass Collective. As always, join the collective, follow on social media, come to the events and the games, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon. Tim, best of luck, and hopefully we'll catch you out in Amherst at some point. Hey, it's right, Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass.